You're listening to Maps, Magic, and Medicine. I'm James Perla. Today we're talking about ethnobotany, the study of how people use plants and how those uses change across cultures. Mark Plotkin, ethnobotanist and president of the Amazon conservation team, puts it this way. Uh, ethnobotany has been described as being like a Chinese box puzzle, where you open a box and there's a smaller box inside, and you open the next box and you open the next box, and you get to the smallest possible box, which has the ultimate answer, and you open it up, and there's another little box inside. Today, we'll hear about how the study of plants led to a focus on preserving traditional knowledge and the environment. So this time, on Maps, Magic, and Medicine, Explorers Turned Apprentices. For 40 years, Rudy Leems worked in Suriname, a country in the northeast coast of South America, bordering Brazil. Now he's retired and serves as an advisor to the Amazon Conservation Team's board. After all these years, he continues to emphasize the importance of traditional knowledge to environmental conservation. He says, because this tape is kind of hard to understand, that the Amazon is called the lungs of the earth. And if you cut it down or burn it away, you lose more than the forest. You lose everything that goes with it, the people, the knowledge, the language, and the tradition. In Suriname, forests cover about 80% of the country's territory. And within the forests live a diverse number of indigenous groups. Rudy remembers the first time he realized these indigenous groups were at risk. He was 12 years old, and he was driving through Suriname's interior with his father, aunt, and uncle. They stopped and looked out at a development project that was building a road and power lines through the forest. I heard, overheard my dad say to my mother and uh, my uncle and aunt, he said there is one sad thing about this all, uh, and that is that it will bring development and culture and knowledge will get lost because People will come to town and will no longer practice their traditional knowledge and things. Rudy's father saw changes on the horizon. Development was pushing into indigenous territory, and he feared that indigenous groups would soon leave the forest and move to towns, abandoning their traditional life as a result. Many years later, Rudy met Mark Plotkin. Mark has focused his career on working closely with indigenous communities to preserve the knowledge of medicinal plants and healing practices. And still, Mark, Mark is, in my eyes, the person, the man who can really get things done and, and help to preserve traditional knowledge so it doesn't get lost for the world. Mark trained under one of the most famous plant explorers of the 20th century, Harvard ethnobotanist Richard Evan Schultes. In the 1940s, Richard Evan Schultes embedded himself in the Northwest Amazon. He studied how indigenous peoples use plants for medicinal, ritual, and practical purposes. Everything from an herbal remedy for a sprained ankle, to poison-tipped arrowheads, to hallucinogenic plants. What were Schulte's main contributions? Well, he found the magic mushroom. He then went down to uh, the Amazon and found ayahuasca. Well, Schulte's didn't really find it any more than Columbus found America. He was the first white guy to take note of it but it led to the widespread use of ayahuasca today. You can buy it on the internet. Part of the problem is that it's being abused. It's not being recognized for the powerful plant that it is. But I just keynoted uh, a panel at the Boston Museum of Science. It was me and three physicians, and they got up there and said, 
They're using ayahuasca from the Amazon uh, to treat supposedly incurable diseases like depression, PTSD. So, you know, Schultes passed away in 2001, but his work lives on. Mark first encountered Schultes in a night school class at Harvard. Mark had dropped out of college and was looking for direction when a friend recommended Schulte's class, The Botany and Chemistry of Hallucinogenic Plants. In the very first night of the course, Schultes showed stunning black and white photographs from his groundbreaking ethnobotanical research in the Amazon. The photos would later be collected in a book called Where the Gods Reign. But at the time, Mark was hooked. I certainly never learned any of this stuff or heard any of this stuff or thought about any of this stuff growing up. Uh, my father's shoe store in New Orleans. So I'm carrying on part of his tradition. Though his first exposure to these topics came through the gaze of Schulte's camera, Mark learned about Schulte's love for the people he had lived with for over a decade and the astonishing intimacy documented in these photos. For the next 27 years, Mark studied ethnobotany under Schulte's, and he equates it to studying physics under Einstein. But the thing that stays with him the most is the way Schultes was a man before his time, a sensitive soul who wanted to repair the way outsiders perceived indigenous groups. The major contributions he made to Western culture and science, I think, the overarching one is to say, look, these other peoples that we dismiss as primitive and backwards and illiterate know stuff that we don't. He never made the argument that Indians know everything. He never made the argument like, let's go down there and gut them for everything they know just for our own benefit, but it was a real humanistic approach in that it was sort of a family of man, circle of life thing that we're all in this together and, and, and these people know stuff that we don't. Though there are many prominent figures who identify with Schulte's legacy, Mark took on his teachings in the conservation world. Schulte's focus on long-term relationships and medicinal plants, on pursuing knowledge and ensuring knowledge remains for other generations, these things became central aspects of Mark's own work. Bob Swap, a research professor of environmental sciences at the University of Virginia, helps to put it in context. Uh, it has been my experience in conservation and doing community engagement work and developing context that um, it's very easy to come in with your sense of what the perceived needs are and impose them on people without ever listening to the voice of those with whom you wish to engage. So Mark hoped to provide alternatives to the fearful premonitions Rudy's father talked about, because when he went down to Suriname... They were shamans, but they were no apprentices. It reminded me of the last little woolly mammoths. They were still roaming around, but they weren't reproducing. He recalls one vivid example with his friend Wuta. We'll hear about it when we come back. This production is sponsored by the Amazon Conservation Team, protecting the Amazon in partnership with indigenous groups since 1996. To get involved, visit amazonteam.org. Welcome back. When we left off, we heard how Schultes inspired Mark to carry on his legacy in the conservation world. During his time in Suriname, Mark saw the effects of what Rudy's father had talked about many years before. Some indigenous groups were leaving the forest and coming into town in search of alternatives. Mark says this was the case for his friend Wuta. Marioso. Maripacoro. He said he remembers meeting me in the old missionary house. By the time I really got started, the missionaries had moved on. 
so I would use that as a center of operations. And he remembers hanging out there. Wuta is a member of the Trio tribe, who live on both sides of the Brazil-Suriname border. He hunts, fishes, and that's Wuta playing the flute. But Mark remembers. I first met Wuta 33 years ago, became friends with him, and shortly thereafter, he disappeared, which Indians often do in the rainforest. They go hunting, they marry into another tribe in another country. A couple of years later, I was in Paramaribo, the capital city of Suriname, and I was driving down the road, and there was a little guard post, and there was my friend Wuta in this silly little watchman's uniform, and I pulled over and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I, I wanted a better life for my kids, and I was told that a better life awaited me in the city. So I moved here. And I, and I said, well, I, I mean, how's it going for you? you? You lost a lot of weight? He said, not so good. He said, what they didn't tell me was when I moved to the city and I wanted to eat, I couldn't pick up my old hunting bow and, and, and go after dinner or get out my fishing line and just fish in the river right next to me. They didn't tell me if you want to drink water, you can't drink it out of the creek, you got to buy it. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up here. I'm moving back to the bush. So shortly thereafter, I saw him in the village. There he was in his breechcloth again. He said, I, I love the city. It's a great place to go to the movies and buy stuff. Uh, and said, life is better here. He'd come full circle. Shamans talk about coming back where you started out. So he's been very outspoken. Outspoken in terms of how respect for indigenous culture is key to well-being. Uh, outspoken in terms of protecting the rivers and the forest. He's spoken up several times about chasing off the gold miners and the other bad guys. So he doesn't say much. He smiles a lot. But he's got a heart of steel. Is it for me, it's all about two things, protecting the bush and holding it for my grandchildren. Rudy's dad feared development would force indigenous groups to move away from their traditions. And Wuta in some ways proved him right. But in many other ways, Wuta showed resilience to these seemingly insurmountable forces. His story demonstrates that modernity is not all-encompassing, and that tradition is not something in the past that it can live and adapt to present-day circumstances. Since he went back to the forest, Wuta has learned about important plants and how to use those plants to heal. He has become an apprentice of some of the top shamans in the region through the Shaman's Apprentice program, which Mark began during his time in Suriname. Through the program, shamans teach indigenous people about medicinal plants and healing practices. They study, learn, and document plants in their own language. Then provide health care to their community. This is ensuring that the knowledge of traditional healing continues to the next generation. I realized quite early on I couldn't document it all. Why not have my friends, guys my age and their mid-twenties at the time, document it with me and document it when I wasn't there. Then I realized you can't learn assistive medicine just writing down a list of plants. So we set up Shaman's Apprentice Clinics where they were writing this information down and learning diagnoses and learning, and learning how to practice. And from there, outsiders started coming in. So they were making a living uh, learning medicine and practicing traditional medicine. Uh, it was a win-win-win scenario. So I, I can't claim to have started out with this very clear vision of how we were going to do it. 
because uh, there weren't, weren't any precedents here. But with the Indians, uh, we came up with some of the ideas together and we continue to improve it. Since then, Rudy says he's seen the changes in the community as a whole. People get healed. I've seen this happening in Kuala. Uh, Rudy says that he's surprised because even though there are Western clinics in these communities, many indigenous peoples choose to visit the traditional medical clinics for treatment instead. A lot of people sometimes more going to the traditional polyclinic compared to the Western medicine clinic. You know, I was very, very proud and very surprised at the same time to see that happen. So in this new generation, the tradition of exploration is turning back to benefit the communities themselves. From the beginnings with Richard Evan Schultes, traditional knowledge is the starting and ending point for protecting indigenous culture. Instead of an outsider trying to become a shaman in a few months or a few weeks and then leaving, the local apprentices ensure this knowledge stays within the community so that it's passed on to the next generation. Mark says this long-term focus is making peace with the past in order to imagine a more equitable future, something Schultes would have been proud of. I've been asked many times over the years by North American Indians, how do you get the kids interested in the old ways? Because it's not a question of just showing up and saying, hey, put aside that iPhone, come learn about these plants. Not that easy or straightforward. But because we have a relationship based on trust and friendship and even love, that we've been able to try all sorts of things, and many of them have succeeded. The point is that long-term relationships are the way to get stuff done. That's human nature. That's not about ethnobotany and Indians. So long-term commitments creates a relationship that you can't generate in the short term for love nor money. Rudy says that where there are people, there's hope. And the future is promising when people take action. As long as there are people, there's hope, you know. Uh, where there are people, there is always hope. I think just hope is not enough. It should be action. You know, action to preserve the rainforest or preserve the Amazon and preserve the culture and the knowledge and everything in it, you know. So it takes time for explorers to give up trying to become shamans. It takes time to imagine ways that indigenous groups can continue to live on the land they've lived on for generations and not be forced into ways of being that we find normal and desirable. It takes time to listen to the needs of people on the ground and learn from the past in order to change the force of repeating these patterns. It takes risks, failures, and a lot of effort to figure out ways of relating to those who are different from us. And if we can figure that out, if we can turn exploration into apprenticeship, the results might benefit us all. Subscribe to Maps, Magic, and Medicine on iTunes to continue hearing the stories of explorers turned apprentices and conservationists putting people first. Write us a review on iTunes if you enjoy listening to these stories and get involved on our website, mapsmagicmedicine.com. Thanks to Rudo Kemper for interviewing Rudy in a sweltering office in Suriname, even though the AC went out. Maps, Magic, and Medicine was produced by me, James Perla, with Eric DeLuca, Rudo Kemper, Isidoro Hasboon, Brian Hetler, and Maria Mayer.